Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today we have author Dawn Barclay, and she's the author of Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. And she's going to chat with us about how we can strategize for traveling with our families. So welcome. Welcome, Dawn. Thanks so much for having me. Glad that you're here. So you know, I always ask people, how did you, how did you land here? How'd you end up doing this work? Yeah, I've been a travel writer for on and off for 35 years. And when I needed a book like this, it didn't exist. So I started doing research back in the early 2000s. And I spoke to Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very big in autism circles. I spoke to um, Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very big in the ADHD world. And then I kind of hit a, a wall because I wasn't quite sure where to go next uh, so I started writing fiction and I came back to this book uh, once I saw that a group called IBCCES, which uh, is short for the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, had created a designation called the uh, Certified Autism Travel Professional or CATP. So once I saw that, I knew exactly how I could write this book because most of those travel professionals are special needs parents themselves. Right. And they, they, they were very open about their experiences uh, and they introduced me to parents who were clients of theirs who right. um, could also, you know, who were interested in contributing as well. And there was a lot more information on the internet in 2019 and 2020 than there was back in the early 2000s. Plus, then yeah. we had this little pandemic. I don't know if you heard about it, but it kept me. It We're kept on the me, street with something happened. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It kept me inside for like two years and I'm not very good with something with nothing to do. So I wrote four books. Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. I finally, this was one of them. I finally got it done. I finally had the time. Wow. I, it's great that you did. This is um this is an important topic and not one I hear a lot about. I hear a lot about it on coaching in because I'm working with parents on planning and strategizing, breaking things down, but we're a lot of times focusing on their end yeah. of how to, to navigate something that's already pretty complicated for yeah. you know, those of us with ADHD. What can you tell us about the other end of this, how we support our kids that travel is particularly difficult for? Yeah, it's all about the planning as well, because yeah. every child, when they're taken out of their comfort zone, meaning their routine becomes anxious and inflexible. So the book isn't just for people on the spectrum or just with ADHD. It's really for all parents, uh, but especially for those who cling to routine and need predictability. And we know right. that our children do. Right. So uh, you start with introducing the child to the concept of travel whether that's through introducing picture books with their favorite characters and travel situations, or if it's through role play, social stories, or video. I mean, we live in the age of video now, which is wonderful. Right. And every aspect of every vacation is available either on YouTube or from the travel supplier. So you can be showing the child over and over and over again what the airport's going to look like, what the lobby of the hotel is going to look like, what the rides might be like at a theme park. I mean, I know one father who that's all they did was look at every ride online to determine what they were going to leave out and what that they makes were so much do. sense. And you yeah. can now, I mean, you could, we just went to Disney with my youngest and you could experience, I mean, absolutely everything if you wanted to from somebody else's recording. Yeah. So there's nothing that has to be left up to, you know, the imagination for a child. They really can have the entire thing previewed again and again, and it's important to review it again and again. 
but you can also um, have mini experiences like before you go on a tour, maybe you go to local children's museums, aquariums, zoos, and, and label them as tours. So that when you have a real tour, they have a, you know, hopefully a, a very pleasant frame of reference to refer back to. Mm-hmm. Um, before you go camping, you can set out a tent in the backyard. Before you go to a hotel and spend thousands of dollars, you can go to a friend's house for the night or a cheap local hotel and have the child experience the night in a bed that's not their own. If that's the fir- this is the first time they're doing that. And you're going to see right. where the triggers come, whether the child needs the familiar scent and texture of the sheets and towels and blankets from home mm-hmm. or if they need a nightlight or if they need a fan to drown out the sound of noise in the hallway uh, or what you're going to need to do to make that room as much like their home- bedroom at home as possible if that turns out to be an issue. So all these are ways to sort of have a dress rehearsal of the vacation. You can do the same thing with airlines. Uh, there's programs like the ARC who have wings for autism, where it's a dress mm-hmm. rehearsal from arriving at the airport up until boarding. Oh, so, how would people, just any airline would have that program? The ARC runs something called wings for autism. So you can look for that. It's generally in 70 airports, maybe once or twice a year, you have to go to them and check. Um, if okay. they are not in your local airport, your local Uh, Some of the local airlines at your airport might run something similar. I know that Hartford recently ran something similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different organizations run them. And also um, individual airlines can run them. And so that's a way to walk through and feel what it's like. I mean, even if you didn't use one of those programs and you just brought the child to the airport and so they got a sense of what before going through security was like, so they at least were familiar with what the airport was like, because that can be a hectic place. There are programs like TSA CARES, which vary from airport to airport, but at their very best, they will assign a shadow or a personnel to you to shadow you through things like security to make it easier in case there's a meltdown. So that's also something that your certified autism travel professional can arrange for you. It's always a good idea to work through somebody who knows what they're doing, even though my book will outline the steps like a checklist of what to consider before right. traveling. But these are all the like the mini the mini experiences like taking a ferry before you take a cruise or make maybe taking a commuter train ride before you take a long distance train ride. Just right. a way to have the child preview it. That makes a lot of sense. You're you're baby stepping before the stakes are pretty high because they are pretty high when the whole family you bought the trip the whole family's there. Yeah kind of related to that any thoughts for parents who are like this is just too hard it's not worth it it's too tiring it's we're not having fun or or just who are just maybe scared of even giving it a go well they wouldn't be the only ones who feel that way so the first thing to acknowledge is that you're not alone ibcces did a study in 2018 of a thousand special needs parents and found that 87 percent of them won't even consider traveling yeah. But or wow. actually they don't travel, but they would consider 94%, 93% said they would consider it if they knew where to go, what to do, and felt that people at the other end would understand them and their needs. Right. Now that's that survey was updated in 2022. Mm-hmm. That 87% number went down to 78%, which is a good thing, even though it's more than three quarters, so it's still not great. Right. 94% now said they would consider it. And I went to IBCCES and asked the president why, what she thought it uh, contributed to that 
decrease, you right. know, which is a good thing, 9%. And she said the number of companies like theirs that are um, credentialing, you know, educating credentialing travel vendors on how to work with people on the spectrum and, right. and with other invisible disabilities. So um, what I found in my research was the main reason people don't want to travel is that their fear, their, their fear is of being judged. Sure. If their child has a meltdown, people are going to think that they're bad parents and their children are brats. And my sure. advice is really analyze why you're not traveling. Is it that you're, you know, scared? And if you're scared, is it of being judged? Because if it is, you know, there are two types of people in this world, people who know you and people who don't. And the people who know you are going to give you grace and understand and people who don't, who cares? You're never going to see them again. So why are you ruining your chances at a, a nice holiday? I mean, and if you're scared of all the um, steps that have to go into the trip, that's why I wrote the book and I wrote it like a checklist and it's broken down by um, how to get, well, how to prepare the child, then how to get there, where to stay and what to do while you're there because you can't right. just sit in your hotel room, even to the point of how to handle restaurants, which was my big issue. Right. Um, yep. So, I mean, it's all there. They should at least give it a look. And if they don't want to buy it, it's in their local library or they can order it um, and see if really some of their fears might be easier to deal with than they thought. And, it, that's, and, and that's really, yeah, that's a good point because I think probably different things going on for people. The logistics aren't, obviously is daunting the judgment piece as well and, yeah. and kind of teasing that out and figuring out what if it matters to you that you're traveling a lot of families it does it's that what's keeping you from really going forward yeah and um i think what they one of the things that i think is really helpful is that the parents who i spoke with and the travel professionals that i spoke with talked about the failures they'd encountered and the problems they'd had and how they overcame them mm -hmm. so it's not like everybody's saying oh i did this and it was wonderful it's like we did this and my child ended up um, sitting on my back for three hours falling asleep because I didn't really pay attention to the pace. Right. And now right. I won't do that again. Or my child fell asleep in their soup at the restaurant because I really try to cram too much into one day. Right. So I always advise to pace according to the child's abilities and interests and, and create a child-friendly or child-centric vacation where they're helping pick the location. Maybe you vet two or three locations with your partner and with your travel professional, and then you let the child choose because now they have some skin in the game. Right. Uh, you can do the same thing with the daily activities and always make sure you have a plan B and C. And you've explained that to the child. If this doesn't work, then we'll do this. So there's no surprises. And, um, you know, have them do their own packing or help with the packing. Pick out what they want to bring, even if it might not have been what you chose for them. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, don't, don't wash the clothes before you go or buy new clothes, because quite honestly, it's that familiar smell that's going to help them feel like they're home. Okay. That's a good point. Just keeping your mind to keeping as much continuous as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to want to try to stick to your at home schedule when you're on the road, you, you know, there's so much you can do to make things similar. Right. Um, and then if they have a special interest as so many children do, especially those on the spectrum, try to revolve the trip around that special interest 
Mm -hmm. um, I have a whole chapter of special interest anywhere from quarries and rocks to elevators to mustard to whatever <laughs> the child's interest is. And then I list the places around the country where they can go to explore those interests. So right. why not why not give the child something to look forward to? Because believe me, it's going to make the more mundane aspects of the trip easier to deal with. Definitely. That makes sense. Um, do you have any advice for families who are balancing kids that struggle with flexibility with kids that maybe just want a bunch of novelty, just really different needs in the family with the siblings? Yeah, and there are vacations that cater to both. Uh, large, all-inclusive resorts like beaches in uh, Jamaica, Turks and Caicos, they are very um well-trained to work with families on the spectrum and they have plenty to offer for families who are not. And with your child's in the kids, when your children are in the kids clubs, you certainly have some time to spend with your significant other. The large cruise ships offer the same ability okay. for you to have your children occupied in whatever interests them or, and with people who know what they need. Mm -hmm. And if you want to travel with other families whose children have invisible needs, there's a group called Autism on the Seas that puts together those trips. Okay. So it's something to check okay. out. And then sports vacations where you're, um, each member of the family can kind of hone their abilities, whether it's golf, scuba, surfing, um, skiing, they, they offer adaptive classes. And that right. is not only for children with physical disabilities, but also invisible ones. So that's something to check out. Um, I was really surprised about the scuba one, but the compression oh. is really helpful for the children, the compression of that suit. Oh, that makes and, sense. Yeah, yeah. And the quiet of being underwater. And there have been children who actually became more verbal after being, you know, in scuba programs. So it's oh, wow. something worth looking into. Um, and even dude ranches, if your child communes better with um, horses than with people, you're not going to have any social anxiety if you're at a dude ranch and they're spending their time with horses. Those are some great ideas. We recently had a trip that included a stop at, at some Disney parks. And to be totally honest, they were, it was kind of a nightmare for me in terms of planning because they've made some changes in their systems that really make planning complicated and so there was a lot that I might do for myself to plan ahead of time that wasn't possible. Obviously, amusement parks can be a lot sensory-wise, waiting-wise. What are your thoughts? Yeah, theme parks are an interesting animal. It, mm -hmm. You know, I could see where it would be totally overwhelming, all the noise and sound. On the other hand, if you have a child who needs high STEM, it's exactly what they want. Yeah. And the theme parks are being uh, more and more cognizant of this um this niche mm -hmm. and they are getting certified they are putting out sensory maps they are creating low air you know areas of, of low crowds and quiet uh, mm -hmm. they're doing everything they can to work with this audience and disney was one of the first even though they are not a, a certified autism center mm -hmm. they've done a lot with getting you to um jump ahead in the line or at okay. least make your reservation and then come back, being able to keep your stroller with you. They call it stroller as wheelchair. Okay. Uh, there have been a lot, you know, I think there's a lot of planning involved. And again, that might be where working with a certified autism travel professional can take care of all those logistics for you. And there are also special needs nannies who are specially trained to go into the park with you. And I talk about that in the book and give okay. some examples because maybe sometimes what you need is an extra pair of hands. 
Right. Especially if you have multiple kids traveling yeah. at the same time, because I mean, that's true no matter what. You've yeah. got some that want to ride the crazy ride, some that have no interest. You know, it, it's hard to navigate a park sometimes yeah. for any kid. Yeah. Especially, even neuro, neurotypical kids. I have never been a fan of theme parks, but right. my son adores them. My yeah. daughter can't wait to get out. You yeah. know, so it's a, a mixed bag of what it is. You have to remember to keep your noise canceling headphones with you if you have a child on the spectrum and right. also dark glasses, especially at night, because the contrast of those bright flashing lights against the dark sky can be very jarring for a child. Okay. So it sounds like amusement parks often have programs. Just check it out to know ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, there's so much signage now. SeaWorld has signage so that even if you're going toward, I suppose, where the seals are being fed, the fish, there's a sign saying, after this point, this is what you're going to smell. Okay. And yeah, if you potent. have a child who's sensitive to smell, he's going to have to make the decision or she's going to have to make the decision of whether watching the seals get fed is going to be worth you know, dealing with that odor. But at least you have the knowledge ahead of time. And right. that's really powerful to at least be in control that way. Right. Any specifics in terms of modes of travel? You mentioned the plane and all that's available there. Yeah. I mentioned that car travel is very flexible for you because you're in charge and you can plot out the route and when you're going to travel and you can stop whenever you need to. And if your child needs to get out and play in a park or a uh, you know, playground, you can chart that out along the way. You can decide to not travel when it's rush hour. You're, you're more in charge. Right. A train gives you very liberal baggage policies as well, because like Amtrak is very liberal in what you can bring compared to airlines. And then you have uh, your attention focused on the child instead of on the road. And you're able to walk around. The scenic car might be a nice distraction. If your child doesn't like eating in the, in the dining car, you might get a roomette. And that way you have your own bathroom. You can go to sleep lying down and you can have a place to eat. Uh, So I think that's a great place to start too. If you want to travel internationally, cruising is a really good way to travel without the plane ride, as long as you're living or close to where you're going to get on the ship. Unpacking once instead of bringing the child to several different hotels and having them adapt again and again is a helpful thing. Right. Um, those are the main modes of this camping. I, I talk about camping and, and RVs or, or again, your car, the buses. I, I talk a little bit about buses, but to me, I'd rather be in a car than a bus. But every mode has its own advantages and disadvantages. You have to decide what's going to be right for your child. But I would ease into it. I wouldn't have my first trip being like, oh, let's go to, you know, Finland and spend nine <laughs> hours on a plane when the child should have maybe had a very short plane ride to start. Yeah. I like those ideas. Cause I think that is, that's, that's doable. Oftentimes like just finding what the best first steps are yeah. is so helpful. And then yeah. being able to, you know, build on that. Start small. It's really right. important. Right. So what do you think are the most common pitfalls for parents who are trying to prioritize travel with families with invisible needs springing the trip on the child without a lot of pre-preparation for the child as well as for you okay uh not thinking the trip through from beginning to end i mean if you have a child who doesn't like crowds when you land in a a strange city rather than take the the bus that's free from the airport to the hotel that they provide you might want to take an uber because there's like less chance 
of of having a meltdown because there's going to be no crowds. You're more in control. Right. Picking trips that are more geared to your trips, your, your child's abilities, such as, you know, you may start with a car trip where you're more in control or a train ride instead of starting out with, you know, a long plane ride. You really have to think it out with your child in mind. Right. And I mean, quite honestly, it can be difficult for those of us with ADHD is like putting yourself in that future situation, walking through those, like what I call time travel, right? Like thinking through all those steps can be a challenge, but essential. That's why I really do recommend working with a professional who's trained to work with people who have invisible disabilities. I mean, why not? Uh, Normally there's not an extra charge. If there is a slight surcharge to work with them, it's like the insurance you take out for your trip. If you take out travel insurance, why wouldn't you pay for someone okay, to help so I'm, you? I'm glad you're mentioning that because, you know, my first thought was that would be a big investment to hire someone. Not that it's not worth it, but it would be an investment. But you're saying it's pretty but, affordable. Or well, What I'm saying is that uh, certified autism travel professionals, I mean, everybody's different and there's no one, you know, one business technique for all of them. But I would say that a large percentage don't charge an extra fee or a surcharge for them to plan because they're paid by the various entities that they book. Okay. They're paid a commission. Some might charge a fee, but I guarantee you it's going to be worth it because their experience is going to make sure that your trip goes smoothly. Absolutely. It's it's about the price that you put on your own free time. Right. Absolutely. You've got the experience and saving your time, but drawing on someone else's experience, know what resources are available. Yeah. And you can certainly, I mean, I list how to find these people. Um, There's hundreds of them. They don't have to be in your own backyard because thanks to Zoom, you can certainly work with anybody anywhere in the country and see them face to face and explain what you need. They're going to ask you about your child. They're going to ask about the child's needs. They're going to have the experience to know where to place them and give you also the checklist of what you should consider. But it's like having somebody on your team to make sure that the money you're going to spend on your vacation isn't a waste. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, most of my listeners have ADHD. A lot of them have children with ADHD. Any specific ADHD accommodations that you haven't already mentioned? You mentioned a lot that definitely apply. There's so much crossover that I, right. I mean, I do have um, a separate area about ADHD, just explaining what it is for people who don't know. Right. But I, I believe that all children can benefit from preparation definitely. that the parent takes before the trip. And um, going to places that are specially geared for their needs. Right, right. The advanced preparation is really for all of the kids. It certainly can't hurt, and it's definitely a big help for our kids. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel that way too. Right. Well, any other thoughts that you have for us about this topic? I'd love hearing your ideas. And Yeah, a couple of things. One is that in the book, I list... um, some, it's about 75% strategies and 25% of suppliers and destinations. And I list them as either CAC, meaning Certified Autism Center, or AF, meaning Autism Friendly. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's CAC, you know that they were they were certified by IBCCES. If they're AF, Autism Friendly, they could be certified by anybody. I mean, there are some really good groups like Champion Autism Network and Culture City and, and Sensory City, but there are some that have just decided, oh, I'm autism friendly. So it's really okay. um, up to the parent mm-hmm. to call and double check all the information, ask where did you get your designation? What does it mean? What do you offer? Make sure that what they offer is right for your child and also make sure that what they offer is going to be offered when you're there. 
because there oh. are some museums, for example, that might have a low sensory afternoon one Sunday a month. And if it's not the Sunday that you're in town, it's no good to you. Right. So, right. you know, okay. Those don't, are good take, questions. Yeah, don't take my word as gospel. Do your own due diligence with your vacation. Okay. Um, although I appreciate you reading my stuff. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not the goddess of autism and things do change. I mean, sure. even in the years since I wrote the book, because, you know, even though the book came out last year, I was working on it two, three years ago. So I do try to keep everything updated in my blog and in social media. My blog is at travelingdifferent.com. Mm -hmm. When I see a topic that I haven't covered, I put it there on my Twitter feed and Facebook. I copy any articles that I see published by other people that might talk about updates in the industry. Okay. Uh, so it's worth following those too. All of that is free. And, um, you know, give yourself some grace if it doesn't work the first time analyze why it didn't work and then give yourself another shot. Don't have one trip and decide, oh, it didn't work. I'm never traveling again because you're really cheating your family out of some important experiences. And I, I like that advice about giving yourself some grace. You know, parents were overwhelmed. You know, it's a lot. It's oh. all experience um, that helps you the next time. And if, if you come across, if you read my book and you come across uh, things that you don't agree with or you, you've discovered a better solution, then write to me. My information's in the book and I'd be more than happy to hear you. I might ask you to write a blog or I might include your information in one of my blogs because I see this all as crowdsourcing and you know everybody has a different experience and I'm interested in however you travel and whatever successes you've had. That's great. Always growing the body of knowledge that you have there. Sure. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your knowledge. Uh, it's, I know it's very useful to parents, uh, you know, as we're in the season, we're in the season of traveling for summer vacations and that, and I know this is on a lot of people's minds. Where can people find your book? Yeah, it's everywhere, um, but online. So if you go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the publisher is Roman and Littlefield. They have a website. All independent bookstores have websites and I'm on there as well. Okay. And if you forget that, you can go to travelingdifferent.com and I have a page that show, has the links to where to order it, as well as the blog and, and various links to uh, appearances I'll be making. So happy for people to check that out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day.